Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Oh man, do I have do I have a show for you this week? This guest is making waves in the cybersecurity space. He is an event speaker, podcast host, and ultimate, ultimate storyteller. If you are a cybersecurity marketer, chances are you have heard of him. And if not, what an honor to introduce you to him. Chris Cochran joins me on this episode where we talk about the power of storytelling and the importance of it, especially in cybersecurity. We dig into language and how words matter, every single one of them. Chris Cochran is the co-founder and CEO of Hacker Valley Media and creative director at Exonius. He is a former cybersecurity leader turned content creator and marketing leader. Oh gosh, I absolutely loved this episode, I couldn't, I couldn't stop smiling through the whole thing because the messaging he has is not only really thoughtful and important, but the way he conveys it is you just can't help but lean in. You just can't help. So I guarantee that as you're listening, if you're trying to multitask, good luck because you're going to want to hang on to every word. Here's my conversation with Chris. Hi, Chris. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad to be here. So excited to have you. Thank you for sticking it out, uh, folks. Yep. I totally pulled a Monday and was on the wrong Zoom link. So that happened. Hey, it happens to the best of us. It totally does. Totally does. We're all human, right? We're all human. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to have you. Before we jump into the core of our conversation, Chris, why don't you tell us your story? What do you do and how did you get there? Yeah, so I make content full time, everything from podcasts to videos. We're even working on a mini series, a fictional mini series in cybersecurity. And uh, we have a, a web series talk show called Technically Divided. So, uh, yeah, uh, my company is Hacker Valley Media. Uh, we do a bunch of podcast stuff uh, really across the board. Started my career in cybersecurity. I had the opportunity to be in the United States Marine Corps, and I was attached to the National Security Agency. I was at Cyber Command. I've uh, had other companies uh, that I've created to build cybersecurity um, applications and uh, programs. And so, yeah, I've been uh, all over the place. I uh, got to spend some time at Netflix. I've been at Mandiant. So uh, a storied career in cybersecurity, but now I just tell stories. <laughs> oh, gosh. And what better place to tell stories than at Netflix? That's sort of wild. Um, when were you at Netflix? I was at Netflix from 2019 to 2020. Okay. Okay. My husband worked there for like 2011, 2012. So I was just curious. Oh, okay. Very cool. You never know. You never know where paths are going to cross. Yeah. Story is clearly a theme throughout your career. And I'm excited to dive into that. But before we get there, one last question for you. What's one challenge you're currently facing? Uh, I would say the challenge I'm currently facing is figuring out what are the ideas that you want to invest in and what are the ideas that are are left better on the uh, the cutting room floor. So uh, it's just figuring out 
Where do we want to put our time, our effort, our personnel behind? What are the, the just nice ideas to have, but don't necessarily want to put all our eggs in that basket? Too many ideas, not enough time. Too many ideas and never enough time. <laughs> How do you prioritize that? Is that based off of what you feel like is going to ultimately deliver results, uh, get the most vis- visibility? What's, how do you even begin to prioritize those? We, we base it on what is the hero the world needs today? And sometimes, even if it's a cool idea, it's not necessarily the hero that we need. And so I really look at trends and I'm looking at the way uh, social media is kind of moving. And I'm, I'm trying to align all of those things together in a way that's like, this piece of content is going to be really useful for this particular time period because these are the the trends that we're seeing both from an individualistic, from a personality, from a community and society, all the way through what are the things in cybersecurity that people are really talking about. How do you find that information? Is that just a happenstance <laughs> of all of this curated content you're working on? Or is that, are you actively researching how do you how do you know that that's what's happening in the the community for your audience yeah i I wish there was a place i could go to and just pull all these these learnings that'd be fantastic if you find one that would be great for me um i just watch i've always been an observer when i was a kid uh, i was the the quiet one that would go to the party that didn't know anyone and just kind of watch watch how people interact watch how people say things watch the questions that were coming up and uh, I would just kind of lay back and let all that information kind of soak in. And I still do that to this day. I talk a little bit more uh, these days, but um, back then I didn't talk at all. And so now I'm just watching, watching how people interact on things like Twitter, how people interact on LinkedIn, uh, conversations that come up at conferences. I'm always just picking up data and just kind of formulating like what, what's that next thing that's coming down the pipe that people might not see yet. Speaking of conferences, you were recently at a conference where you did a talk. It was right. We had done a prep call and you're like, I need to like record this a few weeks out because I have this conference coming up. And this mm-hmm. I the the talk you did, uh, cybersecurity super athlete. Did I say right. that right? How'd yeah. it go? Mm-hmm. It went fantastic. Uh, I did it right there in Nashville. I didn't realize how deep the cybersecurity community is in Nashville, but it was incredible. Uh, They put on a great uh, event. It was uh, ISSA uh, Mid-Tennessee chapter. Really, really good event. They they had uh, musical guests and things. Uh, It was a really good time. Uh, Say again? I said, I mean, it's Nashville. You got to put on it, some good yeah, music. You, <laughs> you have to if it's Nashville. But no, it was a, a fantastic trip. I definitely want to go back. But yeah, that was the the keynote that I gave there was how do you go into your role uh, as a cybersecurity practitioner but from the, the lens of being a super athlete or a champion? And uh, it was well received. Why those words, super athlete? Yeah. So in the very beginning of Hacker Valley, uh, before it was Hacker Valley Media, we had a single show called Hacker Valley Studio. And what we were finding in the very, very beginning, kind of the, the, the crux of why we were even having some of these conversations is because we believe that cybersecurity practitioners are mental athletes with no off season. Every single day they're playing chess against uh, an invisible enemy that's constantly trying to outthink and outmaneuver all the work that we're doing from a day-to-day basis. 
And so we were thinking, how do you how do you go to that next level, right? Everyone's probably doing their best, but how do you get really, really strategic about how you develop as a practitioner, as a person, and become that super athlete so that you're just really just knocking it out of park every single day? I kept wanting to say every time I saw super, I was like, ah, oh, it's superhero. But I think, and you know, then I went back and read it and this idea of athlete is just so interesting mm-hmm. to me because it's there's a difference between athletes and, and superheroes, right? I mean, superheroes Absolutely. sort of are like bestowed the gifts upon them. They didn't really work for them yeah. unless you're Batman. But right. <laughs> for but for athletes, mm-hmm. there's a mentalness to that of how you show up and you are that next Michael Jordan. Is that really what went into that and why that language was so important to you? hundred percent because it's, I'm really big on personal growth and development. So is Ron Eddings. Uh, he, he's my business partner and co-host on all the, the shows that we do together. And uh, it, it's all about getting 1% better than you were yesterday. Just move, little iterations, little, little tests, little experiments. Oh, did that work? Oh, that worked up. Oh, let's keep that in the toolbox. Uh, but yeah, it's all about what we can do. You know, like you said, uh, a superhero, especially the ones if you watch like things like Marvel, uh, a lot of times it's bestowed upon them. Sometimes it's accidental. All of a sudden they have these abilities. It's like, oh, wow. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen in real life uh, in most cases. Uh, so it's something that you have to constantly train and get better at and be really intentional. So being an athlete, uh, especially when you're talking about being a mental athlete in cybersecurity, you have to really pick and choose where you're going to invest your time because you could spend a lot of your career going down the wrong path if you don't have that strategy for for getting better in that thing that you want to improve upon. Sounds like language is really important to you and what you do. It's not just about the storytelling, but the words you choose are Absolutely. meaningful. Yeah, the words you use even the words you you say to yourself every single day. I mean, that can really change and dictate how you show up in the world. Not super random, uh, probably a way off topic, but uh, they were doing a study on how mental state can really affect the physiology of a person. And what they did is they had uh, a group of folks that had this gene that made them really good at endurance. Like they just had this gene that enabled them to clear lactic acid a little bit faster than everyone else. And then they had a group that didn't have this gene. And what they did during the study is they split the two amongst each other. And one group, they said, hello, you have this gene that makes it really, really easy for you to do endurance sports. And then in the other group, they said they didn't have this gene. The, The folks that were told that they had this gene, even if they didn't have the gene, performed better than the folks that did have the gene and the other group that said, that, oh, you don't have this gene. And that tells you a lot about like the the words that you tell yourself, the things that we hear from other people, how that can show up physically. So you can imagine the time over time that these things really dictate, can help dictate where you are in your life. If people always tell you, oh, you're a loser, oh, you're a failure, you're going to start to feel like a failure. You might even start to tell yourself that. And that's the record we play back over and over and over again. But if you change the script, if you change the the words that, that start to come up in your mind, then you can actually start to move in a positive direction. So the words that we use, the words that we tell ourselves, the words that uh, we hear all the time actually have a pretty big impact on who we are as people. The placebo effect. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Amazing. So in terms of the story for you and cybersecurity in particular, you know, this idea of super athlete is one story that you were able to cultivate based off of what was happening in the world. But, but this is what you do. You create stories all day. So what mm-hmm. sort of your best practices, especially in, in such a rapid growing noisy environment like cyber right now, how do brands find their footing in getting their message out there in a really impactful way? Yeah, I think the the first thing is like really hone in on who you want to talk to, right? Because sometimes in cybersecurity and really all of marketing, we tend to say, all right, we're going to talk to everyone. And we're, we're, when you find yourself talking to everyone, you end up usually talking to no one. And so you really have to understand who's that audience. If I have a, if I'm a cybersecurity company, if I'm a company that has services or a product, who are the people that I really want to have that conversation with? Who do I want in my, my circle of influence? If you don't have that, you're, you're just going to kind of spin your wheels and all oh, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. But if you really understand and the plight of who it is that you're trying to talk to, you, you, you're standing on a foundation of strength. Then once you understand who you're talking to is really understanding what you have to say, because even then, even if you understand who you're, you're wanting to talk to, if you don't really know what you stand for, what is the why of your company? What is the why of the product that you have, or even your own personal why, if you don't have those things in alignment, it, the, the message isn't going to come across as powerful as it would if you really understand who you are, your messaging, what you have to say, and how you know you can help the person that you're trying to, to reach. How do you know who you want to, I mean, the, the cybersecurity audience is pretty big in terms of variety mm-hmm. of people you can talk to, right? Anywhere from small business CEOs almost who know nothing about cyber, but know that they need it to the big enterprise CISOs who are so ingrained that if you don't speak their language, good luck. So like when you're talking about the, the audience you need to speak to, it's really that, right? Like who within that spectrum, who who, who within that spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. Who could use the the product or services that you have? Who are the people who are like, oh, wow, that's that's going to help me solve X, Y, Z problem within my program. Um, and then even the people that are on the, the fringes, maybe it's the boss of the person that's, that's doing this, which can work. Maybe it's even the people that are working for. So for instance, if you look at the way uh, Slack really came to prominence, it was from a bottoms up sort of stand, standpoint. You had a lot of engineers and people that are really techie. They say, oh, wow, this thing is so cool. Let's see if we can use this for work. And then that's how it kind of bubbled up. But then sometimes you go the other way. Like I mentioned, you can be working with leaders and say, hey, this is how we help solve problems for X, Y, and Z. And then the, the leaders pass it down. But then you could go direct, right? We know exactly. Everyone's so frustrated about this problem that if they see that we have a solution, that they're going to want to engage in a conversation with us. So really it's figuring out who is it that you're speaking to? And it can go from a campaign level, right? We have this campaign where we're going to be talking to leaders all the way down to like even individual things like a, a single TikTok. Like who is this? Who is the audience for this piece of content? Why Why would they find this interesting? What 
emotion are you trying to evoke in this? What do we want to teach them about the world or or what tidbit can we give them that might be useful on their day-to-day job? I think uh, a lot of folks are running to get into content now, which is fantastic. I think it's a great thing. But a lot of times I think we forget that whenever you make a piece of content, first, why are you creating it? And second of all, why is it going to matter to the people that you're trying to reach? I just had a really interesting conversation with somebody actually, and and they're working with us now on building a podcast, but I asked that same question. They were talking about how they wanted to create a podcast and they wanted to talk to sales folks because they're a salesperson. So like, oh, I want to sit down and I want to talk to salespeople about Mm -hmm. what sales used to be versus what sales is now. And I was like, well, is that who you're selling to? And they were like, well, no. And I said, so how is this going to help you? They're like, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, hey, at like least it they does. found out really quick <laughs> yeah no it's true like it has to start completely great it has to start with who you want to talk to and I love what you said too around even within an organization it could be a variety of people from mm-hmm. the leader to the practitioner and so when you're trying to create a piece of content that has to speak are you creating one piece of content that's going to naturally speak to all three folks or are you tailoring the content for each level of individual with the way they they sit in the organization yeah i think it really depends on the medium uh i think it also depends on and really it's all about intention like what is your intention so for instance when i did the talk about being a cybersecurity super athlete i made it so that if you were a student all the way through being a CISO or even an entrepreneur it would apply to all of those folks, which it can be risky uh, to to do something like that. But that I wanted to it to it, it is it is, it can be difficult to do because you have to balance experience, you have to balance terminology, you have to make it so clear and so simple that anyone can get it and say, "Oh, this is how I can relate it to my world or my work." Uh, that can be difficult. But I would say that especially when you're t- talking about smaller form content like a post on LinkedIn or a TikTok or something like a tweet. Uh, I think you have to get really, really specific on who you're speaking to, um, especially if you're looking at it from like a, a demand gen uh, capability, like who are the people that you want in this pipeline? You you can't just say, I, I want everybody. I want even the students in my pipeline because they're not going to be able to buy anything from you. So like being really specific about uh what each piece of content is going to hopefully enable for your your business is going to be important. But I do think there are ways in which you can speak to a broader scope, right, from student all the way through executive uh, for a larger piece of content, like a keynote or even like a longer video. Yeah, I think I think media matters. Before we get to that, let's talk about what in terms of what you have to say, right? So you narrow down your audience in terms of who you who you help at the core, right? We mentioned a, a whole variety of things, but in terms of who you actually help at at the premise of what it is that you do, mm-hmm. how, how do you figure out what to say, what you need to say? So that comes from a couple of different things. Uh, when it comes from like, who is this company? Like, let's let's say this is an imaginary company. Let's call it Ac- Acme Corp, right? And that's the one that everybody <laughs> uses all the time. So Acme Corp, Uh, They have a cybersecurity uh, solution. Let's say it's something simple like EDR, endpoint detection and response. And let's say that they have a very, very awesome executive group full of personality, full of experiences. 
you have to really understand who you are at your core, right? Are you quirky? Are you funny? Are you serious? Are you passionate? Are you um, more more in the, the bits and bytes? Are you more data focused? Are you more narrative based? So really pulling from the personality of the people that are going to help pull together the content is super, super important. Because let's say if you're more engineering minded and you, you're just very, uh, does this make logical sense or not? And then all of a sudden you're trying to play this witty, quirky comedy game. It might not come across as authentic. It might, it might not even land at all as, as being funny. So really understanding the personalities, the passions, the superpower of what who people are to their core is really important. Then once you go from there. Is that, sorry, Chris, is that the core of the people? Because you, you mentioned the people who are writing the content, but how does that relate yeah. to the people? Because to your point, like you could be quirky and fun from the people who are writing the content, but then how's that landing with your audience? It sounds like there needs to be a bit of a balancing act there because you might be yeah. talking to very technical people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in order to even like get to the point where we're delivering this message to somebody, we really have to first understand like, like who we are, like who we are as individuals. Like, is there somebody on the team that, that's funny that can talk about our company in a funny way? Is there someone in our organization that's really good at telling the story of how the company came to be? Once you understand that you have people that can do these sort of things and pull those stories together, then it's time to say like, okay, now we're going to take this story and we're going to map it in a way that's going to apply to our audience. Okay. So let's say our audience, the audience we want to reach is on different platforms, right? So now we need to figure out like, how do we convey this message on something like a podcast, right? Long form. It's great. You got a lot to play with. Maybe we're on someone else's podcast. Maybe we're making our own or maybe we're doing, you know, tweets. If we're doing tweets, how are we going to take this, package it up in a way that makes sense for that medium? So then you're starting to match up the persona that you're trying to reach with the medium in which you're using to convey the story. But it's built on the foundation of understanding like who you are as a company and where you're coming from, your values, your philosophies, the, the way you come across your brand in general. Once you kind of like pull all those pieces together, then you can start testing and see what works and what doesn't work. I think this is so interesting because I feel like a lot of the times I'm starting to see a couple companies do this really well, um, but it's not prevalent and it right. still feels really... I don't want to say dry, like there's still some edge to some of the messaging that's happening, but it's mm. not a person. It doesn't feel like a personality. Right. And so I love what you're saying in terms of like figuring out who you are as a company and then matching that messaging and, and the channel to then to the audience. I want to help people along this journey because as we talk more about gearing, you know, steering away from the idea of fear, uncertainty, and doubt messaging. We can't use FUD anymore. We just, the audience doesn't, it's done. It's totally done. Um, And a great way to navigate not using fear, uncertainty, and doubt is this idea of personality. And Mm -hmm. I haven't heard people talk about it in the way that you are from a storytelling standpoint and to start with the foundation of that. So you talk, let's dig into this a little bit. I know you might feel really repetitive, but I really want to bring this to life for people because I, 
we I've never experienced this before. And I want people to feel like they can walk away and be like, I can go do this. I can figure right. out who we are as a company from a personality standpoint. Think of like Clippy from Word back in the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yeah. that's what we want you're trying to-, to tell a story. How can I help? <laughs> well, you're trying to not just tell a story, but you're trying to almost bring your product to life as a character. Like you're, pre- mm-hmm. you're putting personality behind it. And so that be- it's to go back to what you said, that begins with the people of the organization. Right. Right. And the people who are writing, who are going to help you write the content. So who are, are those people? Is it the practitioners? Is it the marketers? Is it this? Is it sales? Who generally in your experience, other than <laughs> other than your folks, come in yeah. and help, help with creating that personality for that brand? Yeah, I would say it really depends on who are the, the main mascots for the company. In some cases, we've seen where the main mascot is the chief marketing officer. Sometimes it's the CEO. Sometimes it's the the finance person that just is really, really passionate about getting the, the story out there. Like it really, really varies. And then a lot of times you'll take a little bit of this personality, you take a little bit from the COO, you take a little bit from the people that are actually putting the content together and you start to, to meld this messaging and you start to recreate or create this this thing that hasn't existed before, which is the brand itself. So if you have a, a CEO that just really understands the problem and product market fit to the, the nth degree, then you want to get really, really clear as to the vision that they see, asking them questions. What are the words that they're using? Uh, how are they bringing this up? How are they coming across when you ask them a question about the company? Are they getting really, really passionate? Or are they almost looking off into the distance, like we're not quite there yet, but we're, that's where we're marching towards. So like being able to pick on these little, pick up on these little cues of verbiage, passion, uh, the way they show up, body language, all these things really matter when it comes to creating content. And so just having someone that's just has an open eye for these things, someone that's just sitting in the meetings, maybe they're sitting in client calls, maybe they've seen some of the content that has gone out before just someone that's always constantly aware and saying like, you know, that, that right there, what you just said is really, really important. And we, that's the, the plight of the practitioner and also how we help. So being super clear on what are the things you can pick up from each personality for each person to create then the, the brand of the company itself. You mentioned sitting in on meetings and sort of picking up on these nuances. Do you also conduct or recommend conducting your own interviews with specific questions of digging into that? Or is it really an observation? It's really all an observation. Yeah. If if you're a marketing leader or you're at least uh, leading some of the content for your company, you have to really have these conversations with, with leadership and even people that you might not even expect. Maybe there's someone that's really good at creating other types of content and they work at that company. You might have a conversation with them and say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Do you ever... Uh, see the the work that you're doing here help you with the content you're producing or or vice versa are you producing content and then it helps you with work and they might even give you like a little nugget that's super useful for you and in, in your role uh, just having that that open mind uh, under just having that learning sort of uh, spirit about 
how do I find like, what are we all about? Who are we as a company? And I think that's super, super important is having those interviews, but then also being uh, open during just your, your day-to-day work meetings and things like that. Just kind of picking up on those additional cues. I love that sitting in meetings and like really like picking up on those cues and reading people. Is that easy to do or is it harder to do remotely? Is it possible? Uh, it's definitely uh, possible to do remotely. I do it all the time. Uh, it just takes practice, right? In the beginning, you might, oh, shoot, I forgot to pick up on cues again. Oh, let me do it at the next meeting. But just really being open, listening to words, like how are words put together in powerful ways? For me, uh, I love wit uh, because wit is short, it's brief, uh, but it's also very impactful. And I try to think about marketing and advertisements from from that perspective, right? How can we get as condensed and and powerful as we possibly can. And then if we have to expand beyond that, we can. So a good tagline, beautiful. A good title, fantastic. Because if if people can understand it quickly, if you can hop in an elevator and and convey your product in like a few, few, uh, few word sentence, uh, then you're, you're, you're doing great. But if you're like, well, we kind of do this and then we have to do that. And you know, you kind of lose the the messaging a little bit, but constantly picking up on like, what are the best possible words to use? All right. Two, uh, two thoughts with that. The first one is in my experience, I'd love to hear your perspective. It sounds like the quieter ones who don't speak that often, but then do sort of have those quippy moments like they're very thoughtful about what they want to say and so when they do speak like lead all the way in because it's gonna be good do do you have that too do you find that i i think there is something to that personality type uh the the folks and i'm sure this is a a complete overgeneralization and and on the extreme side the people are always talking they aren't listening as much right that's just nature of personalities that's the nature of humanity and society, the the people that are more quiet, they're either in their own heads thinking, which is a possibility, but then all on the other side, they're observing. It's hard to observe while you're like putting something out there. You're always constantly putting out. So for me, uh, because I'm more of an introvert, I tend to have uh, seasons where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, this season, I'm going to be putting things out. And seasons could be, could change within a day. Like maybe in the morning, I'm really introspective thinking strategizing putting together connections that don't normally go together and then from noon to the rest of the day i'm i'm having conversations i'm doing pitches i'm i'm doing networking and things like that and so in those situations it's more transactional but i would say that if, if you can build in time for you to just observe i think you'd be completely astonished at what to, what you could pick up just from those moments the other thing you said in relation to the words you use, so when you're talking, you know, when you're in these meetings and you're observing and you're listening, how do you differentiate between thoughtful verbiage, like uh, whether that's a sentence or a thought that people are having and picking that up as an opportunity versus jargon? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. we love to throw jargon around so that we sound really smart. We know what we're talking about. Like, go us. Here's all these acronyms until the cows come right. home. So mm-hmm. like- in in telling a story, informing those taglines, informing those titles, is jargon important or do you, or not? 
I, I think it depends. Uh, I think some jargon gets a bad rap. Um, and that could be from everything from uh, miseducation, uh, misunderstanding. Sometimes you have to use jargon. But I would say what's more important than the, the words you use at times is the intentionality behind it. So, for instance, if you're saying, oh, we want to make as much uh, sales as quarter as we possibly can, let's be sure to throw around artificial intelligence and blockchain terminology just so we so people know that we're on the, the technical up and up. People are going to see right through that. But if you really have something different, if you have something like, you know what, we have the solution, it uses artificial intelligence, but it really helps people in X, Y, and Z way, then people are going to understand that. Like it, it, if that's a part of the story, we get it. If it's a tack on because we think that that's going to razzle and dazzle us, then you're going to miss the boat. I love, I think that's important and a really important distinction between just... Because I do think there's an element to, there's a reason why these words exist. Mm -hmm. All right, we have to use them to convey a point, but we don't have to use them for the sake of using them. And I think right. that's where people get hung up. And I love what you're talking about, problem versus solution. And I think when you're telling the story, it, it, when you know, once you find the audience, once you understand where they are, it really, it really boils make this more of a question than a statement does it really boil down to that simplicity of what problem are you trying to solve yeah that's that it. it it's really that easy um and it, i mean it sounds super simple and, and it is but it, it can be complex from an execution standpoint because it, you have, a lot of times you have these companies or even i'll, I'll make it uh, even easier have you ever been to a restaurant that has like a huge menu? They have all kinds of stuff all over the place. They're like, they got burgers, they got Italian, they got sushi. Cheesecake um, factory. Right. Yeah. Like a cheesecake factory or something like that. Uh, a lot of that stuff can be pretty good. But if you were to look at something like a food truck in uh, California, like they're in LA, like they do maybe two or three items really, really, really well then you know that they can put all that attention into those things. And so sometimes cybersecurity companies, what they do is we want as much market share as we can of this cybersecurity pie. So let's try to solve all these different problems. But sometimes all you really need to do is solve one problem really, really well. And, and people can sense that. If you spread yourself too thin and you try to solve too many problems, you might end up like everyone else. But if you get really, if you become the expert, if you become the, the most thought, full leader in that space and this particular problem, that's when you can start to move the needle for your organization and for the community across the board. In your opinion, when we're talking about cybersecurity and storytelling, who's who's the hero in that story? Yeah, so I'm a bit biased, but uh, when I talk about cybersecurity storytelling and the heroes uh, that are in it. I'm often talking about the practitioners. Uh, in fact, um, the nominations just closed uh, today. I'm not sure when this is going to come out. So it'll definitely be closed by then. But uh, we have the Difference Makers Award that we're doing in conjunction with uh, Exonius, Hacker Valley, and SANS. And uh, it's really all about the unsung heroes in cybersecurity, because a lot of times 
we don't get our 15 minutes of fame until something really bad happens. And I mean, I, I'm still appreciative of the people that get to, you know, have their three minute segment on a news show, which is fantastic. But there's so much more going on in the organization. There's so much more going on in the community than most people know about, even more than I even know about. There are people doing research. There are people doing open source um, uh, projects that are really pushing the needle forward. And I don't know what's going on. So we decided to have this award show just so we can start to highlight those folks and really you know, say, hey, thank you so much for all that you do in cybersecurity. So from my perspective, I'd say the practitioner and the leaders in cybersecurity are the heroes. I totally agree. I totally agree. I feel like that's what makes us as their supporters, their guides, like so passionate about what we do because we just want to like cultivate and help them do their jobs as as effectively as possible because they they are in the front lines. Yeah, doing they the work. They have the hardest. So in your messaging, in your storytelling, do you always put the practitioner at the forefront as the hero and then guide the vendors and, um, uh, you know, anything that they're going to, the practitioners are essentially going to buy from? Do you, do you position it that way of like, I know you want to tell your story. I know you want to be the hero (laughs) about you. Like, do you, do you feel like you're still having those conversations about, who really is the hero of these stories? Or do you feel like everybody's on board and everybody gets it? Uh, I, I would say it varies. Uh, sometimes we paint uh, the the practitioners themselves as the hero, uh, especially when you're talking about like an interview-based podcast, right? Uh, they're the, this is their story. They're the protagonist. Uh, sometimes it's going to be the vendor, right? Someone that really has nailed down and, and helped solve something uh one of the, the moments in storytelling that really stands out to me is uh have you ever seen a i am legend uh with mm-hmm. will smith yep you know there oh. there's a there's a yes yeah, such a such a good movie and there is a, a a point in there where it seemed like someone was becoming the protagonist but they ended up causing the end of the world and it was in the very beginning when the lady said we basically cured cancer Right. We, we put all these, we put 10,000 people through these trials and 10,000 of them are completely cured of cancer. If you were to stop it right there, that, that's the protagonist. That's the person that changed everything, made everyone better. And that could be the vendor. But then if you wait around long enough, you'll see that, oh, wow. Yeah, this this cure ended up making all these zombies that are coming after people. Right. But that's besides the point. So the the, the hero can be a vendor. It can be a practitioner, it can be a leader. It really could be anybody, uh, but you really have to understand who that protagonist is. Who you're trying to help, who who you're trying mm-hmm. to help at the end of the day, right? So going back yeah. to it, in rounding this conversation out and go, you know, circling back as I like to do, Chris, to yeah. your super athlete. For you, it was the you know the practitioners in that story of becoming a super athlete. Where. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the language of that, but the but the whole premise of it, like where did that even come from? Like where did you feel inspired to tell that, to stand up on a stage and make those practitioners a hero to the point where they felt like super athletes in that moment? Where did that come from? Yeah, it came from uh, a couple uh, places uh, where it really started was that original idea that cybersecurity practitioners are mental athletes with no off season. Mm -hmm. And then I got really deep into performance in high stress environments. I ended up 
uh, stumbling across uh, Stephen Kotler. He's the foremost expert uh, and researcher on flow state. So whenever mm -hmm. we get into the flow of, of doing our work, maybe we're coding, maybe we're writing, uh, maybe we're doing something physical, but it's when the alignment of the challenge is in alignment with uh, our ability and we just, we're just crushing it, doing, doing really well. Uh, one of the books that he wrote was called uh, The Rise of Superman, which is all about X Games people and why they've been able to increase the abilities of their athletes compared to like traditional sports. So traditional sports, things get a little bit better, right? Runners get a little bit better, like 0 0.001 milliseconds faster, you know, based on training and equipment and environments and things like that. But what they were finding was that these X game practitioners, the people that were uh, doing, you know, big wave surfing, the people that were doing uh, big ski jumps, you know, all these like very, very high intense and very dangerous uh, sports why were they exponentially improving uh their sport and then what they found was that it's because all of these folks that are practitioners in this space are hyper focused on what they're doing uh they, they can't be thinking about something else you know they can't be thinking about dinner they can't be thinking about uh did i leave the the, the stove on or anything like that because there is a threat to their their livelihood during this sport and so now it's like wait so if they're focused on this to this degree, and that's why they're able to perform so good, how do we bring that into cybersecurity? And through more research, uh, research uh, with, with other researchers, and you, including Stephen Kotler, is that you bring in play, play, having games, like whether you're talking about war games, or even talking about just random, like, uh, uh, thought experiments on a Friday, if you're doing any of this stuff is going to help improve you. So if you're doing like, let's say it's an incident response team, whoever's on call, uh, maybe you have 30 minutes and you're like, Hey, give them a fake scenario. And now they're, they're under the gun trying to figure out, okay, how I'm going to solve this. So that's where all that kind of came from. My very first keynote was, based on uh, playing like a kid and protecting like a champion. And so I've always kind of kept this uh, sports sort of analogy with all of the talks that I do, because I do feel like a lot of that can be applied to cybersecurity, all the sports stuff, all the, the you know, taking apart big issues and bringing it down to the smallest components and then fine tuning the details, fine tuning the, the foundations. I think it's something we could do in uh, cybersecurity pretty easily. But sometimes you just have to remind people that that's what we should be doing. I think this is so interesting because going back to what you're talking about in terms of personality and bringing that through your brand and finding what's sort of at the core of it for you, that sports. And, and that makes total sense of how you then want to help practitioners be the best practitioners they can be. And so I mm -hmm. think in leaving brands with something right now, it's that moment of like, where else within your personality and within what's interesting to you beyond what you do as a marketer, where else can you draw from to start finding that intersection of mm -hmm. helping people along the way of being the best that they can be. So thank you, Chris. This was so good in terms of, Oh, yeah. I mean, I have podcasts a lot about content and storytelling and, um, I have never heard this perspective before. So I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Before we close out, Chris, two things. One is, is there anything that we didn't cover that you just, one last thing you want people to know when it comes to creating content? Uh, I would say the the one thing that 
people should know when it comes to creating content is just get it out there, right? Be true to yourself. Finding your voice is going to take time. Finding your audience sometimes takes time, but just start. You know, you have something to say, even if it's just questions. Uh, a well-placed question can produce so much content, it's, it's unbelievable. So first get clear about questions uh, and then just part, start putting stuff out there and, and, and seeing what sticks. And being consistent, which, yeah, I think you're saying, but yeah, yes, like you. once you start, don't stop. Like just keep right, going. Yeah, don't, yes. don't oh, I did one post. I guess I'm done. I'm a content creator now, but I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I love that. Chris, you are a fantastic marketer. Before we close out, I do have my people first questions to learn more about you beyond being a marketer. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, ready. first question for you. If you could be with your team in person, maybe you have, maybe you're all get together on a regular basis or travel, whatever the case may be. But if you were together right in this moment, you were brainstorming, what song would you want playing overhead? Mm. Set the yeah, I would say probably something from Rocky. Um, I think I, the tiger might be mm -hmm. too cliche. I would <laughs> say let's do a going the distance uh, by Bill Conti. Last question for you, Chris. If you could travel to anywhere in the world, we're all traveling now, which is great. And it's a lot, e yeah. it's it's easier, but let's just assume it's even easier where there's no lines and there's no passports and there's no uh, red tape. Where would you go and why? Yeah, I would go to either Italy or one of the islands on uh, in Greece. Uh, I, I just went to Greece for the first time ever, uh, but we stayed in Athens for the most part. But uh, when you see all those uh, uh, pictures on Instagram of the beautiful places in Italy and, and some of the islands in Greece, I mean, they're just really like awe-inspiring. So uh, probably one of those two places. Beautiful. Both of those places for the art is just... It is not what you see online or or even in the books. Right. It is, yeah, breathtaking. Thank you so much, Chris. Awesome. It was such a joy to get to know you and uh, and for having you on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That was my conversation with Chris Cochran. Are you ready to be a cybersecurity super athlete? If you'd like to find Chris's podcast, head on over to hackervalley.com. You can also find Chris in his live roundtables and thoughtful posts on LinkedIn. Both links are in the show notes. I should mention that hackervalley.com actually has 11 podcast shows, most of which are cybersecurity. So be sure to head on over and check those out, especially. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. This episode was brought to you by MKG Marketing, our agency that accelerates the mission of cybersecurity vendors via SEO, digital ads, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG Marketing. Music, mix, and mastering done by Austin Ellison. If you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.